Green light. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, friends. Uh, let us open our iPads so that we can read our notes. The Lord be with you. Hey, my name is John Crawford. I am a member of the staff here at the table as well as the uh, preaching team getting to proclaim good news every so often with you all. So excited to be here this morning doing that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite dad joke silly ways that's way too weird to help transition into a anything of any sort is to say, good luck. Good luck out there. You gotta, you gotta go to the bathroom? Good luck. You're leaving for that big meeting? Also good luck. Even just for a casual goodbye, good luck out there. It's a favorite. I don't know why, it's not that funny. But for a long time, I imagined the ascension as a cosmic good luck. Got a Roman Empire to deal with? Good luck. You really liked being able to touch the king of the universe? Well, good luck out there. Oh, you gotta go find that 12th disciple? Since, you know, what happened with the other guy? Literally, good luck. And that's a casting lots joke, just in case you missed it. Friends, this morning I proclaim the good news that Jesus very likely has a much better sense of humor than I do. And besides that, the ascension is not one big cosmic good luck. But beloved, in the ascension, we see that the reign of God fills everything in the cosmos, including every single nook and cranny here on earth. Our life together, worship and otherwise, is the witness and experience of this space-bending, all-consuming reality. This morning, let us open the gates, sing praises, dine with Christ, and receive the blessing of this reality. So, Acts tells us us that Jesus spends 40 days post-resurrection sharing the good news of the kingdom of God, proclaiming its reality. He has defeated death, and this is what we've been doing all of Eastertide. We've been celebrating this in the same way, right? This 40 days moving towards ascension, which happened this past Thursday. And he is sharing with them that this reality is soon to come. And then... As the great climax, he raises his hands, he blesses them, and he ascends to the right hand of God. In two brief words then, let's talk about what happens here in the ascension. First, it makes Christ present yet again in all of the cosmos. This temporal time of flesh that taught us so much about what it means to bear the image of God in this flesh has now come to an end, but only so that Christ can become even more present in this space as well as all the cosmos. Now, I hear you. Yeah, but bro, remember the part where he got lifted up into the cloud? It's gone, right? How is that possible? Chris Green helps define it by saying that Christ is not conditioned by eternity in heaven as we are time and space. God is only conditioned by God. He goes on to talk about Christ sitting at the right hand of God, speaking about this place at the right hand of God as the locus of God's action in and upon creation. It is not a far off place that he is sitting, but the position in which action is depicted in the reign of God made true. The reign of God depicted in this imagery of Christ at the right hand and with the soon promised presence of the Holy Spirit that we get to celebrate in Pentecost next week is a reign that is meant to be understood as all-encompassing, as everywhere. 
Now, we don't have time to get into this, but it is very plausible that the disciples' question of, is this the time, is not an ignorant one, like we like to make fun of them, but it is to help the reader see that it is indeed the time. They're understanding this past 40 days of teaching, and they're saying, this is it. This is what happens. They understand that after the resurrection, that the reign of God is to be understood as an ever-present, here and now reality to be made somehow even more true in the ascension. The ascension shows us that Christ did not say good luck as he goes to be more absent, but that he's saying all that is true about the reign of God is becoming established, and you are to be my witnesses to this truth. He is saying that the reign of God fills everything in the cosmos, including every single nook and cranny of earth, and that our life together, worship and otherwise, is the witness and experience of this space-bending, all-consuming reality. This morning, beloved, let us open the gates, sing praises, dine with Christ, and receive the blessing of this reality. So, what does being a witness mean here? For this morning, I'm going to say it's twofold. It means to witness, as in to see it happening, as well as to witness, to proclaim and be bearers of this reality, both in the same space. Now, fun little historical context. Add into the idea that disciples likely understood what was happening here in this passage is that this scene that we've depicted of a group of followers on a mountain who are witness and are to be witnesses to the spreading of a kingdom as a deity ascends would have been very familiar to this group of people. Within decades of this writing here in Acts, this is one of the stories told of Julius Caesar as well. I know, kind of crazy, right? So, as you know, you may know Julius Caesar. There's a plot to kill him. He gets super murdered. And then <laughs> you can imagine what comes next for this throne in question. There's a fight over who gets to have this throne, who gets to do these things. Cutting through a lot of extra detail, there's this historically proven bright comet that comes. And one of the potential claims to the throne says, that is Julius. He's ascended into heaven. He's gone to be with the gods, the place that we imagine the gods up here. And that's him confirming this. And then the Senate, 12 of them, wink, 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 are on a mountain saying that they were with, on a mountain with Caesar when this happened. Sound familiar? And they are the witnesses and thus will proclaim it and show what it means that this has happened. Now, here's Jesus. He spends 40 days clarifying what the reign of this kingdom of God looks like amidst empire. And it's very different than the empire they're experiencing. It's very different than the way the power and these things are happening. So, uh, and, and if there's any confusion around which kingdom Jesus intends to implement, he makes it clear by subverting the story into the actual reality of God and the cosmos. So then, this makes those disciples and you and I, these witnesses, the ones that say, yes, this is true, we have witnessed and we have seen it. And then we will continue to witness to it, to live within that reality. We know what it means to experience this rule, this kingdom with Christ, with the ascended true king, and we will spread this news all over. So how do we do this? How do we participate in this? What does that mean? Let me count the ways. There's so many ways that we do this, but for this morning, what I want to focus on is I think there are a lot of ways that our worship together here on Sunday mornings and Eastertide actually are pulling practices right out of all of our scriptures this morning to help us witness, to see, and to witness, to proclaim this good news here in our worship together that we can participate in. Now, 
sometimes we're active in that witnessing, right? This is an aside before we jump in. Sometimes we're active in that. We love to shout the hallelujah, to loudly proclaim it. We're ready to proclaim this good news. We feel it. We're ready for it. Sometimes we actually just get swept up into it because we're not quite ready for it. Sometimes the actions are around. I had multiple conversations this past week with uh, friends. I was in a context for some people and me having uh, stepped into the English condition is new to them. But then in hearing that, what they expressed was out of a lot of church hurt that they've been experiencing and a lot of things and a lot of lack of words, a lack of what do I do with this, they expressed the Anglican tradition in this way that it helps carry them, helps carry their words. These practices carry them in a season where they don't know what else to say and do. So whether you're in either of those places today, this is the beauty of what we get to participate in when we do this worship that gets us into the good news. So let's jump into those practices In Psalm 24, the psalm that we sang this morning, it's where we get part of our Easter morning liturgy. We loudly knocked on the door into a room that was left in utter darkness when we had left it on Friday. And we say, open your doors, make way for the king of glory. This year, I had the gift to be the knocker, which is great because I didn't have the words, but I had the bodily energy to bang on a big wooden door, right? I had the energy to say, like, What is going on? Let the light of Christ into this darkness. This is what we do. Let the king of glory in. We proclaim it, and we get to do these things, and that's part of that liturgy and where that is. So the light of Christ, the reign of Christ may come, and the doors be broken down. And then in Luke, part of how the disciples respond is in praise, right? They sing the praises. They bow down. They worship. And all Easter, our praise is a little extra boisterous. Christ has risen, death has been defeated, and in our worship, we proclaim this reality together. Again, sometimes you may be ready to shout that out, and other times it may be enough to just let the toot of the vuvuzela carry you away into some belief of that proclamation, even if you don't feel it yourself. Another favorite way for me to experience this reality is when we relive and experience what the disciples did as they received the blessing Luke describes that Jesus lifts his hands, he blesses the disciples, and then starts to ascend. Now, I thought about it too late, but what I wanted to do was about the point where Ben later sends the blessing out to us, have some dry ice start to come, form a cloud, (laughs) and then just hook a rig to his back belt loop and let him just kind of ascend up, right? So we could experience this. Now, it seemed like a bit too much for this year, maybe next year. We'll talk about it. But this is the image that has always been deeply meaningful to me. When a priest stands, they open their arms in an act of love and blessing. And and we receive, once again, the good news as Christ proclaimed that Christ is king, his reign is everywhere. You are beloved, and you are witness and witness to this death-defying reality. This is what happens when we receive the blessing, right? Lastly, we dine. In Revelation, we get this classic, I knock, if you answer, come in and I will dine with you, right? Likely, this is an allusion to the Roman practice that if a Roman soldier was traveling, knocked on your door, you had to feed them. They would take, they would come in, take the food and leave and go to spread their own empire, go to spread the empire of Rome. Yet, the space-bending reality of God who's on the throne of the right hand can knock and then come in and share with us. 
Come in and dine with us. Come in and break bread. We participate in this reality in the Eucharist together, a sharing with an experience of Christ in the bread and wine, one that sweeps us up into this reality, to this kingdom that is marked by the presence of Christ with us here. In the words of Augustine, Christ is now exalted above the heavens, but he still suffers on earth all the pain that we, the members of his body, have to bear. While in heaven, he is also with us, and while we are on earth, are with him. This is the kingdom we witness and witness in Eucharist together. Beloved, the reign of God fills everything in the cosmos, including every single nook and cranny of earth. Our life together, worship and otherwise, is the witness and experience of this space-bending, all-consuming reality. Where could you use this this morning? Maybe you are living deep in this reality right now. You love it, and you cannot wait to shout more hallelujahs as loud as you possibly can. Maybe you are in that, but you know somebody close to you who's not, and you need an imagination for how do you proclaim this good news? How do, what does this look like to this person? Or maybe you yourself want to know how Christ is present in this dark cranny of your soul right now. How could this even be true? Whether you are readily, ready to actively participate and proclaim a loud alleluia, or you need to just simply be swept up into it this morning, let us all together open the gates, sing praises, dine with Christ, and receive the blessing of this reality. And then we can go forward having witnessed and continuing to witness to this reality of Christ's reign. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit.